people, welcome back to MMA, BJJ, and life. I'm your host, DJ San Marco, along with my co-host, the Jiu-Jitsu heads, Dr. Will Wu, who isn't here with us tonight, but I wanted to announce his name anyway. And of course, our favorite heavy metal bass player is none other than Nick Cazono. Good evening, Nick. How are you, brother? I'm good, sir. I'm good. How are you? Dude, I'm well, man. I'm well. We, we had trouble squeezing this in uh, tonight. We couldn't get Willie Vanilli. He's got things to do down at the university um, and papers to do and things like that. And since I just graduated and you're still in school, we can both relate to what Will going through. Oh, for sure. For sure. And he a doctor, man. He a professor. Oh, he a professor. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. This is real, man. Motor motor learning or you know what we need to like google and go to the university's website just to be able to actually understand his job title because he's told me like 72 times and i still don't get i have like a vague vague um maybe understanding of what you know he he does or studies but yeah but as the far title, as the... no i i kind of have the same vague thing but remembering the title yeah, the title oh, it just goes through, it just goes over my head. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, what, what, motor? Some of the, yeah, motor learning or something. I don't know. I it's, it. it's, it's, yeah. We it's love cool you, though. Willie Vanilli, and we really, <laughs> we, we've got stuff. You know what's going to be really interesting, and folks out there, when we do a uh, hashtag life episode, we want to have on one of the guys from the Navarro Cheer program, a graduate named uh, Alex Mercado. And Nick and I were actually talking about this last night uh, about what these people do in big time uh, cheerleading, especially Navarro. That's won. I don't know. I think they just won their 14th championship last season or something. Uh, and then this season Corona hit and now they're on to the next season, uh, you know, all since they were on Netflix. So cheer on Netflix is the show. And they won, I think, two Emmy Awards for that, something like that. In any oh, case, that's crazy, right? It would be, and you know, small town Texas. We're not talking Kentucky, Georgia, Alabama, uh, South Carolina, big S Clemson, big SEC or ACC schools. We're talking a little two-year college in um, I can't remember in uh, I can't remember the name of the town in Texas. Uh, I'm going to have to remember that. But anyway, it's the Navarro Junior College that, that tra trounces all these schools in cheerleading. She's the Nick Saban of cheerleading. So in any case, to get Will's perspective on the motor function part of this, of being on top of these huge pyramids and, and uh, tumbling down and, and what they go through, I'm going to actually – I know Will surprised that I would be fascinated with anything that he would say, but no, I, all kidding aside, I'll be fascinated to hear what he has to say about that. Yeah, I would be too. I mean, given his uh, expertise and what he does and everything, I would love to, yeah, just kind of see what his opinion is and kind of break it down in a scientific sort of way. So yeah, and yeah it'd definitely. be cool. So that, that'll be dope. Hashtag life. Uh, episode and we'll have on uh, we're gonna have on Alex and uh, and I, I was fascinated I had really no and I'm not I'm sorry to say this you know it's small-minded way I didn't have any regard necessarily for collegiate cheerleading uh, or cheering 
until I watched Cheer on Netflix, and that totally changed my mind. And Monica Aldama, the coach, had me hooked within like two minutes. Um, and it's not just because she's beautiful, but but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so moving on. Right it's not gonna hurt. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> she's gorgeous. She's a, you can catch Coach Monica Aldama from uh, Navarro Cheer is on Dancing with the Stars this season. So they're on episode two, which I'm recording. Uh, oh, very cool. So yeah. Uh, moving right along, uh, Nick, it was uh, a great. Uh, actually, how would you rate that card last week? I thought it was good. I mean, I didn't see every. I, I did see the what was this, Holland, the uh, oh, African American Kevin Holland. And Kevin Darren, Holland. Um, yeah, Stewart, I didn't. Right? Yeah. I heard what happened. I heard it was a close fight, but I heard it was great. I mean, I've seen Kevin Holland fight before. He's great. You know, kind of an up and comer. Got some good swagger to him, good stand-up, I think. I think he's like a kickboxer yeah. type of fighter. Yeah, I saw one of his fights maybe a month or two ago, and I was like, oh, man, this this kid is this kid's good. And a lot of people on MMA Twitter were kind of uh, sort of hyping him up, so I checked him out, and yeah. You could definitely. not go wrong with uh, – I don't – I'm not sure you could go wrong with uh, whoever you picked in that fight. It was that close, I thought. Um, and it was really good. Uh, Stewart, you know, had some good, good top control, uh, but also uh, Holland has a good ground game. He has really exciting striking through some really interesting kicks. Um, so yeah, that was that was an excellent fight. Two very well matched guys. And as uh, I don't know, actually, I think maybe Holland. Oh, Holland won, but he thought Stewart won. So he said we could run it back. And he said I told Dana. So there was. A lot of respect, even though there was some trash talk, I think it was in fun and uh, just to get each other going because at one point, Stewart's like, come on, man. He's like pounding him. He's like, come on, man. What you got, man? Let's go. You know, he's like got him against the cage and he's he's hitting him. You know, he's got him. He's uh, had some sort of a takedown and he was hitting him, ground and pounding and he's, he was talking to Holland. It was really good. So yeah. uh, basically, Holland said, let's run it back. <laughs> Yeah, the fight I saw Holland in, he was kind of doing the same thing I guess Stewart was doing, where he was just very vocal, like in the like his it, it's it sounds like you know whatever you're thinking in your head, he's like kind of saying out loud. So yeah. he's yeah, almost like a Nate Diaz kind of thing, <laughs> but like more you know on his sort of personality and everything. So he he would talk to this guy like, come on man, let's go, and kind of talking trash, not you know, just getting the head of the guy type thing. But I thought it was interesting. And obviously because of COVID, you could hear everything these guys say to each other, which is interesting. So. It's dope. Yeah. He, he talked the whole fight. He really did. He really did. Uh, but you know, what's funny. We skipped right over <laughs> Tyron. How could we skip over Tyron Woodley and Colby Covington? Right. Um, there was, I mean, for those of you, I'm sure everybody that would listen to this knows this. There was at least two years plus of buildup. For this fight, uh, there was a lot of rancor. Uh, there were some very uncomfortable issues involving race and political party and stuff that I don't really want to get into on this show. Um, definitely, I don't want to get into politics on this show at all. But um, the stage was set. Woodley talked a really big game. And as we suspected, uh, I believe we all suspected the same. Nick? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. The, I mean, I think a lot of fans kind of thought the conclusion was going to happen. Not in the specific way that it did, but yeah, entirely losing. Yeah, I think a lot of fans 
would conclude that that would happen, and it did, unfortunately. Yeah, and I'd say that. I mean, I, I like Woodley, and I, again, I don't want to. I, I I never wanted this, and I don't want this show to be about politics at all. I I really don't like bringing politics into anything. Unfortunately, Colby has probably been the most. He's probably brought it in more than anybody, and now he's attacking LeBron James, and he's doing a lot of ridiculous things. Talking, uh, as I said on Twitter today, I always find it very amusing when. A fighter, a professional UFC fighter, challenges a non-fighter to a fight. It makes me think you're an idiot. And the reason is, is because that's not what he does. Like if LeBron James said, okay, Colby, I challenge you to one-on-one in basketball. You won't even, I can score on you in under 10 seconds. Well, he could. Um, So he would embarrass Colby in basketball the same way Colby would embarrass him in fighting. So it's stupid. You don't. I just never think it's cool when somebody is a, a trained professional. And let me get this out there. Colby Covington is a great fighter. I mean, he is a great fighter. He is one of the, I mean, he should be on a pound for pound list. He's easily number two in the world in, at welterweight. And he's just a great fighter. And, and he gets and he's even improving, you know, his body kicks and everything this time. He's, he's a great fighter. There's no two ways about that. Uh, but I, I just don't like the move of uh, taking somebody, in the case of LeBron James, whether you agree with what he thinks or not, he is basically carrying the weight of a sport on his back because of the fact that the NBA is something along the lines of 80% black and there's a civil unrest whether you agree with the, uh, the, the causes of that or not. He is carrying the weight of the NBA. If you guys remember back to before the bubble, uh, I don't know if you recall this, Nick. Uh, someone asked Patrick Beverly, the rival of the Crosstown Clippers and a guy who Stephen A. Smith would call a rough rider because Pat Beverly's a tough guy. Uh, and there's, he's the kind of guy who wait outside the locker room so that he could throw hands with you. He said, someone asked him, are you guys going to have a season? And he said, if, if King James hooping, we hooping. And uh, that's a that's awesome. I mean, that's, yeah, you know, yeah. that's just the way that guys in the NBA look at him. He's their leader, and uh, he's been a leader since he's 14 years old. And that's not something that not only can't Colby Covington relate to that or Tyron Woodley, Michael Jordan can't relate to that because he wasn't a superstar on Sports Illustrated at like 14. Fair enough. It's, I know you. I know you're a huge LeBron fan. I'm. A, I'm somewhat of a LeBron fan. Well, I am. Let's say that but. I didn't like. Le, let's say I didn't like LeBron. For example, when you look at a kid who grew up in the circumstances that he did, without going house to house to house in Akron, without with his mother, his father never. He doesn't even know his father. Didn't have a father. Didn't have a father figure. And his mother being out, doing drugs, being out of the house, being with him, letting him go live with coaches, going to different elementary schools. And then it, as a teenager, he's able to lift up and get a private school education for his entire AAU team only because of him. Were it not for him, those guys wouldn't have gotten into that school. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, so he's had a lot of pressure on him. You know, whether you agree with him or not and you think he's – you don't agree with his stance, that's cool. But – got to respect what the guy has done 
you know? And I think it's cheap for a fighter to challenge LeBron to a fight the same way it would be if he said, hey, uh, five foot nine fighter, why don't you play me one-on-one? You think you're you're good? Come on. Yeah, I mean, Kobe just wants that clout, wants that attention. So he's calling out, you know, someone with, uh, you know, the opposite political opinion as him, who That's happens fine. to be, you know, a superstar in basketball to MMA fight. And, you know, fans reading it up like, oh, I mean, there's like legit discussions on Twitter. Granted, Twitter's whatever, but <laughs> it could be entertaining. But I mean, the downside of Twitter is just like these hypothetical matchups that people just tend to dwell on. And this is one of them. It's like, oh, LeBron's 6'8". He's over, you know, he always Kobe by this I much. Like, I don't guys, even, let's, I, let's I won't even, on. I, know. I don't even want to discuss I don't, it. I don't even, he's don't a, even. He's a yeah. professional fighter and it's not even, <laughs> it would be the same yeah. as saying, gee, I, man, I wish Kobe would just go one-on-one in basketball with LeBron. Yeah, 11 it's the by same ones. thing. I mean, it's yeah. just so absurd. It shouldn't even be discussed. No, and people uh, are what just I do, <laughs> what, you know, what I do want to discuss, I don't uh, really care about what, uh, it in the context of the show, I really don't, um, I'm not really going to get into LeBron's position and champion that. I'm not going to get into Colby's position uh, and ch- and champion that or deride that. That's, that's their business. That's for Twitter and other spaces. Uh, Andreas Hale wrote a great piece on it. Uh, if anybody wants to check that out, Andreas Hale on Twitter, he he uh, he put out a great piece about this topic. I don't want to cover it on the show. Other than say, Colby's a friggin' amazing fighter. <laughs> he's great, and, and he just—he's a good fighter, man. He's good. He's, yeah. I mean, he's better than good. He's better than good, I think. Let me get your opinion on Wood. Yeah, I mean, I'll go ahead. Go ahead, Nick. No, really, I would like to hear. Your opinion on T. Wood, and do you feel like this is salvageable? What What would you What do you think that if you were, let's say, Dean Thomas, what would you be telling Woodley right now? I don't know, man. I mean, he he obviously can't compete against the best in this division anymore. He's lost three in a row. Granted, it's against the best, but I mean, do you really take the chance and have him against a top 10 guy and if he loses a top 10 guy where do you go from there and i granted he did uh uh tyron woodley did he he mentioned or he didn't mention but he stated that he's not retiring that he's just gonna keep on at it and you know go back to the drawing board and you know see what he can do to fix it but it's just from a fan's perspective or an outsider's perspective and and being a fan i mean yeah from if i'm asking if you're dean Dean thomas perspective I don't know. I, it's hard. It's it's tough. I mean, I would tell him he can't. Let's not take a fight in the top five. I mean, let's take a fight that maybe top ten type fighter. You know, let's get let's get a favorable matchup. Maybe. I mean, he probably doesn't want to hear it, but just he just can't compete against these top guys anymore for whatever reason. If it's just. Uh, too much, too much mileage. I mean, Dean, Dean, Dean Thomas would know, would have more insight and maybe the shortcomings of Woodley if it's from a physical standpoint of just too many miles on him, if it's outside interference, if it's just like a mental thing where he's just not throwing. So, I mean, coaches like that know, you know, a little bit more insight than fans and 
what went wrong, what the issue is, and if they can't even fix the issue. So, I mean, to have that insight would be great. But yeah, I mean, I would say if he still wants to keep going, I'm not going to say I can't like I can't force the guy to retire if I'm, if I'm his know, coach, like you, Thomas. You know what's really interesting, <clears throat> Nick, is there's so many guys out there who have a wrestling background, and they saw they can see a Khabib Nurmagomedov now. Okay, I was in Brazil nine years ago, probably right around nine years ago when eight when he fought, uh, and he beat um, he beat the Iranian guy, and I can't think of his name now. The guy, the Iranian guy who wrestled for the British national team, and was a fun WEC and UFC fighter. He beat that guy in his first fight in the UFC, and he hasn't lost. I mean, that that was a long time ago. That was in Brazil before I met you. That was a long time ago. (laughs) Oh, wow. He hasn't lost, man. That was, yeah, it was uh, late 2011. Uh, Oh, so I'm at a house. Okay, good times. I'm at a house in Brazil of this gentleman who I really like. I love the guy, actually. Mateo Sacchino in Natal. He was managing... Patricio Pitbull, Freire. Oh, nice. Uh, one of the greatest fighter, the maybe the greatest 145-pounder uh, um, ever, uh, arguably. And in Bellator, he's on a run that's just unbelievable. It's Bellator OG and Juicy Formiga. So here's me and my wife watching the UFC with these two legends sitting there eating munchies at Mateo Sacchino's crib. So that was pretty that's good awesome, stuff, man. Um, and we got to see Khabib uh, lay waste to his first opponent. So, um, anyway, um, so I don't know why Woodley and more guys that have that skill set don't utilize their wrestling. I mean, I realize it would have been very tough against Colby, but at least if you turn it into something of a wrestling grappling match, particularly when we get three rounds in and you have two rounds to go and you're not, I mean, he had already been taken down, got bloodied up. And he really wasn't in any danger of knocking out Colby. And you wonder why more guys, you know, we had the debate about DC. Uh, and you, you know, <laughs> you and I had a lively debate. You're like, man, who has the cardio to do that? I'm like, well, I don't know. Khabib's still doing it. <laughs> but that's Khabib. And wait, Andrew, I get it. okay, you know, and I named other guys Andrew Sanchez. You know, Gadelia's fighter from Tough. I mean, he goes in there and just wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. Yeah, Gillespie. You're going to see Juan Espino. You're going to see this weekend Juan Espino, the British, uh, excuse me, the Spanish Olympian heavyweight. You're going to see oh, Okay. Him. You're going to see All him. All right. Caín okay. Velasquez. Uh, we'll see, uh, <laughs> there's a guy named Damian Maya. I don't know if you've heard of him. Damien Myers, ring a bell. Yeah, uh, you know. He's yeah. like a he's like a okay jiu-jitsu guy, right? Oh my god. His match <laughs> with oh guys, okay, if you want to see one of the best jiu-jitsu matches, not if you're from SBG, okay, but uh Gunnar Nelson versus Damian Maya. Oh my god, when we were in SoCal, when you and I were living in SoCal, do you remember that match? Yeah. The the fight? The yes. actual MMA match? Yes. Yeah, yes. I, oh yeah, I remember Woo. it. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was going to be close. Yeah, that wasn't. It close. wasn't. That yeah, was I, I was curious to see that fight too, because I mean, it's like, uh Gunner's got decent. He's got some decent um, jujitsu. Um, he's got really good. He's a Henzo Gracie disciple. He's got great jujitsu. But as far as like his competitive, um, 
sort of repertoire. I mean, he beat like Jeff Munson in a grappling match when, you know, Jeff Munson probably outweighed him by like 50 pounds. And he had a lot of hype before going into MMA with his jujitsu. But I mean, yeah, it wasn't and they, near. And they've both been out of that game for a while, in fairness. Yeah, fair. Yeah. But I mean, Maya just had the better the better uh, credentials in regards to the competitive jujitsu circuit. And you kind of just saw it in, in MMA too. That played <laughs> out, man. That played out. So, so there are guys that can do it. Like I say, you can do what it is you train to do and what you want to do. It's, it's what you, you know, that's what you can do. It's what you, it's what your aim is to go out there and do. Is there, is it, and let me give you an example of this. Is there any question in your mind about what Woodley wants to do when he goes out there? I mean, yeah, he just wants to knock guys out. Is there any question in your mind about that? No. It's clear in his body language, in how yeah. he carries himself. And so you know that that's what he trained for. You see him pumping that, he's pumping that jab as a range finder, right? And he's pumping that jab. He's not even trying to hit Colby with that jab. He's simply doing that so that he can come back and hit an overhand right. I mean, yep. it's so obvious what he's trying to do. There's no, there's no hiding. Colby and Valverde and uh, Cesar, I can't remember what his last name is, if it's Carnero. The guys from MMA Masters, congratulations to them on getting a big win, particularly since they lost Amanda. It's great that they got a, a big, big name in there. Um, they lost Amanda to ATT, obviously. Um, that was years ago, though. Right. Not that long ago, man. We're talking like, like four years ago. Was it four years yeah, ago? Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Oh, are you sure? It was, uh, it was before, probably right before Valentina, maybe. Oh. The, maybe before the weight fail thing. I don't know the exact year, but it wasn't that long was, ago. So, no. Fair um, enough. And what's his name? I, I don't know if, uh, if Bruce Leroy trained there at one point as well, because it's well south of ATT, and those guys lived in Miami. So okay. anyway, um, so there's no doubt about what Woodley wants to do and he's doing what he wants to do. I don't happen to think that it's a good idea because I think that guys that are able to grapple, uh, you see, you see the results, uh, that they can force other things to happen and mistakes to happen with other, other fighters. So, um, amazing job by, um, Colby. What do you have for him next? Uh, I'd say give him Masvidal. I don't think, I mean, he might, they might just leapfrog him into Usman, but I think, uh, you know, win over Woodley. Okay. Yeah. It's a good win. It's a solid win, but you know, given Woodley's past, uh, performances, I don't think, um, the weight of that win would guarantee him a title shot in my eyes, but, uh, I think a win over Masvidal. I mean, obviously if Masvidal beats Nate Diaz, that's not going to really more it's in the title oh shot God. but you don't you know money talks and and everything and they'll just and they could just give him a title shot after an Diaz win because I, it's the ufc and the ufc sorry, likes I, the money i'm so lost on the nate Diaz. i just can't imagine i can't imagine why i would be interested to see that fight i just i don't I know I we've don't had our discussions on that and yeah other I, just, I, I don't episodes and we did I, I just don't see the value there it wasn't competitive and I would rather see George come back and fight Connor in a big, I mean, okay, let, let me ask you this. You know, be straight with me here, Nick. Be, be straight with me, Nick. Let's get real here. <laughs> Let's get real. All right. Do, do, you, do you think Colby has any, do you think George 
has something for Colby. Be honest. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really? You know what? Based on based on his fight against um, uh, um, Usman. Now, if say Usman just took him down at will and just crushed him like he did against um, Woodley, no, nah, I think Kobe would school him. But Masvidal had some good takedown defense. He really would. He really wasn't on the ground that long on his back. He was able to scramble to his feet, unlike Woodley and everything against uh, Kobe. And I think Masvidal really lost the fight in the clinch. And I think he was ready. For, he wasn't ready to be controlled in the clinch the way he did against Usman. And Usman kind of like drew him into the clinch and kind of, you know, drained him from there. So, I so mean, let me follow up. Let me follow up then. What do you see as the difference between what's the difference between the relationship between Colby and Jorge and uh, Jorge and Usman? Difference is, I think, um, well, I think, that Usman has better control in the clinch than Kobe. No, I'm saying relationship. This is where this is where I'm going. I want to oh, lead, like lead you down the road. Their friendship is, or whatever, it, their previous friendship. You can watch video online of these guys wrestling in an apartment. Now, how many sessions do you think there's been between Colby imposing his will like he did in that video on George? That was years ago, though. Dude. Colby, I'm just saying. There's a lot of there's a lot of I've already I've already faced off against you, and I know what you have. I think you're from discounting. Sides, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sides. I get and, that argument. And, and totally with, get it. And with Usman, there was no history. There's no mental. When 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 Jorge looks at Usman, there was nothing for him to be be afraid of. He's never been underneath Usman before. That was the unknown. With him and Colby, there's history there, man. That's all going to come back when they're in the cage and they start grappling. Whatever happened, and I'm not saying I know what happened because I don't know. I'm assuming. I'm making an assumption only. I mean, fair argument, but I think the growth of Masvidal and him just wrestling the whole time, even with Colby, you know, I'm sure Colby gave him some tips on some wrestling stuff, his his uh, close relationship with um, Romero and, you know, bringing in Bo Nickel to train with him uh, up to, for his uh, preparation for Usman. And just the guy's been wrestling for a while now, like as far as just... He's a good just, wrestler. You know, He's a good wrestler. So I don't think, I don't think that, I mean, yeah, I think Kobe could, Kobe could definitely, you know, out-wrestle him and control him and win the fight. But then again... His performance against Usman gives me some gives me some confidence that you know he could probably stay off you know pop back up, defend the takedown, and line him up on the feet. I think that's a possibility. I don't think it's a a wash or anything like that. I mean, yeah, okay, they have their they have their previous um, you know training sessions together where you know Kobe had the better exchanges with the wrestling. Yeah, okay, sure. But I think the just the uh, the pure grit and uh, determination of Masvidal learning wrestling all this time in preparation to fight these guys, I think, will be the factor for him to sort of negate that. Okay, so it would be boring. Well, first of all, thank you for listening to us on MMA BJJ in Life. I'm your host, DJ San Marco, along with my co-host tonight, 
Nick Cazono, the heavy metal bass player who we just absolutely love because he's a musician. We are missing tonight our homie Willie Vanilli, Dr. Will Wu, but um, we're happy to be back with you. It would be boring for you guys if we agree all the time. So Nick and I will respectfully agree to disagree, unlike all of, of political America. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I, I believe that Colby will have uh, will be able to big brother more or less. Jorge, uh, Nick doesn't think so. And that's what it would be so boring if we agreed on every single issue. Uh, do you think it would be a dominant, real quick, do you think it would be a dominant, like, before, like, just, uh, I mean, I, would I, it be back and forth yeah, or do you, no, do you foresee I, it? Well, I think Colby, Colby appears to be very, very smart with his in-cage tactics. And I believe that he, if he knows that he's going to be out, even though Colby's striking looks very, very good. I think he will minimize the amount of striking that he does in each round. I'm not saying he's going to come out and do a Ben Askren and run across the cage and dip his head. No, I'm not he's saying not that. that. I'm no, saying that, that he's going to do a minimal amount of striking each round till he can run, uh, grab a single, run the pipe, grab a double, so he can keep George grappling, keep the blood flowing in those arms, take the snap off those punches, and he's going to put him down or he's going to attempt to put him down in every single round. Whereas you saw against Kamara Usman, he said, look, we're both wrestlers. I'm not going to waste my energy and turn this into a grappling match that I don't know I'm going to win. I'm going to wear this guy out on the feet and make him quit. The problem was that didn't work against Usman. So we got we got to move along, though. So let's, yeah, Nick, let's move along. That Nick, was good. That was good. Nick and I will <laughs> agree to disagree, and that's great. Um, we already covered Woodley. We covered that. So we're going to go to uh, Kamsat uh, Chimaev versus uh, Gerald Mearshart. Um, I wasn't surprised. Uh, I don't remember your pick, but my pick I was picked. That... I picked Mearshart. Okay, yeah. I mean, I I picked Chimaev. And, uh, I, I mean, maybe there is a little bit of bias that I'm more for the wrestlers and you're maybe more for the mixed martial artist types. And that's fine. I mean, I tend to favor the kickboxer, BJJ practitioners, but I mean, I love me some wrestlers. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I, I do, but I don't know. I just didn't like the narrative being thrown around and this guy being overlooked. And I mean, yeah, he got demolished, but I mean, I, I just didn't think people were giving Mirshak the credit that he kind of deserved going into this match. Well, we that's, fa that's fair, but remember if I can teach you one thing, and I'll teach this to every friend of mine who picks fights, don't pick based on who you like and who you don't like. It doesn't, it makes absolutely I mean, zero. No, it's, oh, I just get hear it. me out. Hear me out. Okay. I don't like Colby. Okay. Who cares? It's no part of this discussion at all. This is a great fighter, and I am going to pick him every time. Until I think he faces someone like Usman, I picked Usman, okay? Just because I thought that his he, he was a little bit more powerful in his striking. So it doesn't matter if if Mearshart was disrespected. He was disrespected because they made the fight. And they made another fight for two weeks later. Oh, for or me, it was the, the 185. I didn't realize it was at 185. And I thought maybe the weight differential might have been... A factor that favor Mearshock, and obviously it wasn't because he this, just got put out. The, the big equalizer in this sport still is is wrestling and jujitsu, 
and the levels. So like, for example, we have that fella at, is he at light heavy? What's uh, uh, Adolfo Vieira? I think he's at light heavy. Or he's at light heavy. Or either light heavy or middle, one of the two. Oh, really? I don't remember. Oh, my God. It Nobody wants middle. to see him at middleweight. Oh, my God. He is so huge. Oh, my God. Oh, he's big. He's a big he's dude. He's so scary looking. Um, so guys that are at that level, when they get you to the ground, you're really, really in trouble. And when you have a ground and pound artist, because a lot of these wrestlers like Khabib know how to grapple. They know anti-jujitsu, if you will. And so does this guy, uh, Kamzad Shemayev. So um, I'm going to pick him. I mean, and I mean, I heard uh, DC said, I mean, he thought he could he could run away with both. By next year, he'll have two belts. So, you know, that's coming from DC. So that's how good the guy is, and uh, I'm going to pick him because he can put the fight where he wants it. And, and uh, he's got that power, too. I didn't realize that he had that power just to put people out. I knew he had, like, some decent hands. There's some there's some uh, footage from his past fights before the UFC that he, like, put this guy out for the uppercut and everything. And I was like, ooh, because people are like, oh, he's like a Khabib. And they're like, no, nah, Khabib can't do this. And they showed a clip of this dude, like, uppercutting this guy and just, just demolishing this dude. So I'm like, mm, okay. And I want to write this down now about Adesanya. Uh, we're going to bring up, you and I are going to entertain the Kelvin Gastelum fight. And we're going to make an analogy to the Costa fight. But we're going to do that later. But I, I wanted to type it because I didn't want to forget this. Because this is my opportunity for you to say, wow, like DJ actually said something interesting this time. <laughs> so, uh, so comes on Chimaev. Uh, I, I mean, I think that he's going to, I think he's going to probably beat Demi and Maya. And if you look at past matchups, uh, Colby Covington beat him. The wrestlers, even Woodley beat him. Uh, Usman beat him just with wrestling. And now this guy really, you know, his ground and pound and how hard he hits. So I think that when you combine those two things, um, it probably won't go well for uh, for Demi and my. It depends if he decides to keep it on the feet. If he takes him down, he's going to open up some doors for Demi and Maya. But if De but if he hurts him a lot, you know, and he's getting beat on a lot, you know, you know he likes to go deep half, and you know about that, man. You go deep half on a guy like this, you could be in deep. No, no kidding, deep. No deep half. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely a favorable matchup for uh, Shemayev. Um, the only, re the only scenario I could see him losing is if he doesn't fully respect what Damian Maya could do off his back. Like Ben Askren. And like Ben Askren, and then Maya could maybe do a leg entanglement, attack a heel hook, turn it into something else. I mean, if he Maya takes the back, I mean, it's pretty much over. So, I mean, he has to kind of avoid that. But, yeah, if he's, you know, if he's very respectful of the ground game of Damian Maya and doesn't really make any mistakes on, on the ground as far as overexposing himself, putting his hands on the man, you know, letting Maya get underneath his legs and getting into, you know, a, you know, single leg X or 50-50 position, and, uh, he'll be okay. And this is a good time for Nick to put out his public service announcement for anybody fighting Crone Gracie if he gets your back. Nick, take it away. <laughs> I mean, it's over if he gets your back. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So if it's over, I mean, just start, you know, basically just either get ready to go to sleep 
right? Try to headbutt him. Or start thinking, <laughs> you could try, or start yeah. thinking about where you want to go to dinner. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's so many bag takes in MMA, too, so but, it's but a good Pro, comment. But Prone Gracie? I mean, yeah. and now, if any of you doubt what Nick and I are saying right now, go and watch the 2014 ADCC uh, Crone Gracie against Gary Tonin and watch what happens when he gets Gary Tonin's back. It was not, not a pretty sight, man. He's going he's gonna to get it if he has your back. That Mata Leal, man, you can just count it, baby. Oof. So, uh, Oof. Nasty. Yeah. Yeah, not to mention my professor, uh, 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 Felipe Della Monica from Gracie Baja HQ. He got him, man, and I think they were brown belts at the time. But Crone is a – and you get him in those armbar. You get him in those traditional jiu-jitsu positions. If he has your arm, if he has a triangle, if he has Matalial, rear naked choke, you're not getting out, man. You might get out of other guys. You yeah. know, oh, I'm going to go baseball bat it. It's gonna look like what happened with Verdum and uh, and uh, who is that? Is <laughs> fighting? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Mahler. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, a good grappler. Yeah. In Alexander Gustafsson. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, yeah, he's a, yeah. He's a solid grappler. That's the end of our PSA, There's levels. everybody. There's level. <laughs> There's level. <laughs> um, now we're gonna talk about. Okay, so this one, this fight was very disturbing to you and I, Nick. This was Mackenzie Dern versus random marcos and the level of egregiousness i'm gonna i'm gonna let nick riff on this and um he's gonna riff on this fight and i'll be right back with you go for it nick <laughs> what do you riff on this <laughs> just the um i mean you have a brazilian uh jiu-jitsu practitioner um, you know, the, probably one of the best uh, credentialed ones in any division, female or male, in Mackenzie Dern. And she's won, you know, multiple world championships and everything, beating Gabby Garcia, who's like a heavyweight, and sort of defeating her in a jiu-jitsu match and everything like that. And you have Randa Marcos, who, you know, obviously she's a solid grappler herself. She's got some good wrestling. She's a tough girl. I'm actually a big fan of her. And... You know, what can I say? Mackenzie Dern just misses misses a high kick. People are probably laughing at her. I remember uh, someone, uh, one of my homies on MMA Twitter tweeted, oh my God, she missed a high kick. That's so funny. Bye. It wasn't so funny. Lo and behold, yeah. ran, ran a mark. I mean, it's funny when someone, you know, I mean, she, I think she was just making fun of Mackenzie Dern's like whatever athleticism and throwing a kick and falling and being like, oh, oh. You suck at stand up and, and, <laughs> type thing. And there's there's no question um, about that. But when you have that kind of ground game, you can make mistakes. But what the kind of mistake that you cannot make is the mistake that Random Marcos made. And I have watched this girl fight now since she was on Tough. I've been watching her fight, what, four or five years now. She's been through several camps, including. Um, with TriStar, Tri I don't think yeah. she's there anymore, but no. but it's got to be extremely frustrating if you're a Faraz Zahabi and you're yelling, uh, you're yelling uh, advice to this girl, you're yelling commands, 
and she's not doing anything. You know, he's telling check. She's not doing anything that you tell her to do. The one thing that no girl at 115 pounds, I'll bet you <laughs> even the top player that Claudia Gadelia is black belt at a Novanyal, the black belt that Claudia is, I will bet you money that if Mackenzie Dern fell to her back, Claudia Gadelia, decorated champion, would not go to the ground with her. Agreed, yeah. I don't think Amanda Hebos wanted to be on the ground with her. Amanda Hebos found herself on the ground with her and pounded on her until she could get up. But she wasn't trying to take that girl down and just land and, and sit there and play with her on the floor. That was absolute MMA idiocy. Or I guess what, uh, you know, Luke Thomas, if I take out the word promotional, it's like MMA malpractice. And this is not to denigrate Randa Marcos. She is tougher. She is more skilled than I will ever be in any martial art, in jiu-jitsu or wrestling or anything. And she's tougher than I am or I'll ever be. There's just no two ways about that. But she cannot think about what she's doing in MMA. Her decisions are what are keeping her from being more successful in MMA than she is. And those are mistakes that you cannot make. She could have had a chance to outstrike and win a decision against a highly touted fighter in the UFC, someone they would like to build, someone with a name, someone with a look, someone who has IBJJF championships, including absolute championships over a steroid-fueled black belt in Gabby Garcia. Have you never this, seen this pictures of Gabby Garcia? <laughs> What's that? She's like a, people have never seen pictures of Gabby Garcia. Okay. I mean, this, she's like Paula Costa. Not to like, not, you know. No, no, like, I, what no, this is all about. And, and the, she's and got the is, build. This is going to go back to Cyborg. This was a lovely and let's say fleshy would be the word. Uh, Brazilian white girl, maybe a little chubby like me. Uh, uh, when she was competing and winning championships in IBJJF. And all of a sudden she started to take drugs and androgens. And literally she looks like an NFL tight end because she's like six foot three. Oh, she's huge. Yeah. I mean, she looks literally looks like an NFL linebacker or tight end like Travis Kelsey in a jujitsu gi. And the fact that she is even competing in IBJJF as she did last year in any, I think she was in a super fight in any match should be illegal. Absolutely illegal. There's no way she's natural. There's no way they drug tested her. And if they did, then they told her when the test was going to be six months out. So she could be ready. And it, I abhor when there are people like Cyborg or who I love Cyborg or people like uh, Garcia, who I don't love because of 50 some odd year old women she's beating up in, in Japan. Absolutely ridiculous that she's fighting women of that age. Uh, I think she traded in one point 
a 53-year-old woman for a 54-year-old woman. I mean, you're really going to celebrate that and put that out on social media? Are you kidding me? I mean, absolutely ridiculous to take that many androgenic substances and then compete with women in combat sports. It's crazy. It's absolutely oh, it's not. It's a hot topic for you. I know. <laughs> it's, 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 it's just... I get it. it. I get it. It's. I don't yeah. think it's a hot topic for me. It's a oh, hot you get, topic you get for triggered. the women that are yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. have to compete with it. It's just not I know. fair. It's not. It's not. I'm, I'm with fair. you on that. You can't. You cannot compete with someone that has that man strength. I. I do not. Uh, uh, I mean, what Gabby Garcia did before she took the drugs was absolutely incredible, but I don't see how you could put her in a sanctioned match where it's supposed to be clean. Because I saw, I think I saw the girl she fought in IBJJF last year in the super fight. Looks like a regular girl. <laughs> you can't do that, man. I mean, they don't really test in those competitions. But they do. They they're supposedly you're drug tested. It's random. I mean, it's it's yeah. Like three they girls in the whole thing. They don't. Yeah, yeah, three yeah. Guys. They test. Yeah, they yeah. they test, but like that's that's a that's a big yeah. They test like and it's not random. Quotation. Yeah, so probably not random, and they they don't have the money, you know, to test like the OC. That's cause. not that's not that's not my problem. But I, just, I know I'm just yeah. saying it's just the yeah. nature of the beast. Whenever, and... whenever somebody says they don't have money, I mean you're running when you know the amount of tournaments that IBJJF runs. That's not <laughs> yeah. This is not like uh, the local Brea. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. High school man. They're running yeah, out gotcha. the friggin' Long Beach pyramid, man. No, you're right. I mean um, they do have money, but yeah, I don't know. So, it's just going to some something else. <laughs> they run they run events. Not nationwide, worldwide, on every continent. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, moving right along from uh, <laughs> I don't know. We got on to Gabby Garcia. Yeah. All right, so we <laughs> um, let's go to uh, Leon Edwards calling out Shemaev. I mistakenly took you on on Twitter, Nick. Oh, I know. Uh, you always do. <laughs> <laughs> Because, I'm like, all you gotta do is just call me. No, because I, because I uh, thought you were calling for this fight, but you're saying that Leon called for it. No, no, no. But you were someone, calling for it. Someone posted, Phil the MMA guy on Twitter posted, okay. like, hey, hey, you know, and a lot of people follow him and everything like that. You know, I like the guy. And um, he, he, he posted, like, hey, Leon Edwards should should call out Shamayov if people, you know, it'd be a good way to get, get in the public eye. And I agree. I think it's a good way to get in the public what? eye. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what? Nick. All right. My brother. Say, say, I mean, Hey, Hey, if he thinks he can't win, then yeah, don't call him out. I get it. All right. Sure. He beats this guy. Hey, people are going to talk about him. Okay. So Phil, the MMA guy, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm DJ MMA BJJ and life on Twitter. Um, <laughs> And this is my brother Nick Cazono. I I disagree with you and uh, Phil, the MMA guy. You, if you are Leon Edwards, and if if I were a representative, if I were his manager, I would be saying, Leon, if you listen to me, and you don't have to, you will not call out Chimaev. You will not. Not you should or you shouldn't. You will not, because you have way too much to gain to lose. And he has too much to gain. You have an eight-fight win streak in the UFC. He has like nine fights total. And this is not a fight that should happen. He should have to climb his way up 
to get into the position you're in. Now, if it's Hafa Dos Anjos or something like that, and Hafa Dos Anjos is all about getting paydays, right? He's like the Cowboy Cerrone of that division. You know, let pay me, man. Pay me. I'm going to get in there. You put anybody in there. I'll fight him. That's Rafael Dos Anjos, right? But if you're Leon Edwards, who is on the precipice of a title shot, who Jorge Masvidal stole his title shot, essentially, uh, and Gilbert Burns is now taking his title shot, that guy should be fighting either Burns or Colby or Usman, period. Say those fights don't happen. I mean, Burns is going to fight for the title, so he's out. But after that, well, we're going yeah. to wait after that. When is that fight happening? Two. Oh, is it close? If it's close, then sure. Isn't it? Isn't it in Abu Dhabi? I'm not to look. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Okay, I'm not sure. You, you take it away while I look. All right. I'm not sure, but say all these fights are, you know, the Burns and Usman fights a bit far away. I mean, you really want to wait that whole time to call out the loser of that fight, essentially, if you're not going to give it a title shot. I mean, Masvidal's not going to fight him unless they they no no other options Clearly. are available. Clearly he's not going right. to. Yeah. Colby's not going to fight him. Colby wants to either get Usman or um, Masvidal. Colby's not going to go for that. Unless like Masvidal gets injured or Masvidal's going to, if they give it to Masvidal, then maybe Colby might take it. But I don't see any of these top guys fighting um, Edwards for whatever reason. I mean, I would love for those guys to fight Edwards. I think he deserves, obviously, he does. the fights of that caliber. But what else is there for him to do? Is it... Steven Thompson? I mean, Thompson actually did uh, call him out recently call out on who? Twitter. Oh, Leon um, Edwards? Edwards? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. do you favor that over a Shamaya fight? Yes. I mean, I think there's more yes. hype in the Shamaya fight. Yes. but a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because that's something that we can make sense of, right? I mean, I'll tell you this. If Shamaya beats Maya, Maya is, what, six or seven? Seven. I mean, so if he beats, I mean, he's, Shamaya's always... After that win, he's going to get a top five opponent anyhow. So he's going to get someone like uh, Thompson or Edwards. I mean, do you really think – I think Kobe's not going to fight this guy. Moswell's not going to fight this guy. Burns – Burns might if he loses, sure. Burns, I think, will fight anyone. But, I mean, Burns is tied up with Usman for a title shot. So, I mean, there's, uh, there's slim December pickings. 12th, so that's a good point. It's December 12th when that, that fight is uh, so, between those guys. So I'd, you're right. That's a, there, that's a ways away. And I, I like this Steven Wonderboy Thompson fight. I think that that is something legitimate that I, I'll admit that I was reticent about that fight a couple of weeks ago uh, just because I think um, I think if you're a striker and you fight Thompson, I mean, you have to look at the real possibility you could lose. I mean, he beat Vicente Luque, and you see what a monster he is. He beat, okay, he embarrassed Masvidal. I think people forget that. You know, people they're like, oh, that. I think people what someone posts, that, yeah, somebody, yeah, I know people do. I mean, someone posted, hey, could Thompson beat Shamayov or whatever, or Dude, could Thompson beat Edwards or down, whoever? Man. I forgot who. He's going to be fight. Yeah. How good is his ground game? Do you think that's, I mean, you guys got to look at this, man. Do you think that Steven Thompson, as good as he's gotten in jujitsu, and he's gotten good. And he's training with good guys. He's training in the Sarah system and all that. You think he's going to tap Shemaev off his back? Oh, no. No way. It's not going to happen, man. It's no, not going to happen. 
And that's how you have to. That's he how could you, pop up back to his feet. <laughs> yeah, he, and he's going to get taken down again. He could. He's going to get taken down again, and the fight is going to be contested on the floor, and he's not going to win from there. I mean, that's just the way. That's the way that that's going to go when you have that. It's just like it'd be just like if he fought Khabib. Khabib is going to take him down. It'll be out of fight. He's going to duck under him. He's going to clinch him against the fence, and then eventually he's going to be riding him down to the mat. I mean, that's what's going to happen. So, but I do like Leon. I do like and support Leon Edwards versus Stephen Thompson because that's a, a fight where he has a chance. And and you know what? You want to. I mean, he moves so well, but you want to clinch Stephen Thompson. You want to put him against the cage and make this a dirty. Ugly, nasty affair. If you're going to stand in space with him like George did, not going to go well. Go back and buy you guys, you guys that love Masvidal, and I love Masvidal's style. Uh, go, go back and watch him against Stephen Thompson, and that give you an idea of how good Stephen Thompson is. I mean, he is a he is a straight monster. And you guys saw Vicente Luque with those calf kicks and leg kicks. Okay, he kicked. Stephen Thompson very hard, made him switch, you know, switch stances, and Stephen Thompson still won. <laughs> so I mean, that should tell you. Yeah, that should tell you. I'll I'll, I'll say I'll say this I'll say this. What win has more merit or more weight for you to get a title shot, beating Stephen Thompson or beating Shmaiyov? If you're at Leon Edwards. Um, which which win? Would get me what? I'm sorry. Can you restate that question? A title shot. So oh, if I if I no beat no question, no question. You you there's here's what I'm saying. There is no avenue where you fight Shemayev. There's absolutely none right now. There's there's there is absolutely no way if you're Leon Edwards that you go and you fight this guy. It would be now. Would I want to watch it? Sure, but it would be absolutely insane and stupid. To fight a guy that dangerous, who is trying to build his name, whose wrestling is that good that could stifle your entire game, you just don't do that, man. You don't. If you're a manager, now Sean Shelby can call, or Mick Maynard can call and ask you, or Shelby in this case can call and ask you, but you say no. You say no. I'm not. I'm not taking that fight. I'm waiting for a top four guy. I've won eight in a row. I haven't lost since Usman. Simple as that. You just don't. That's you, fair. That's you let, fair. You let, you let um, a Chamaya fight a top ten guy, but not like a top five guy. Or not, I shouldn't say you. Oh, he's let. fighting a top seven guy if, right if now. I'm, if I'm a top, yeah. If okay, yeah. I mean, but he's being forced to. Damian Maya is being forced to do this. He asked for Diego Sanchez on the mic. He asked for him. And who is Diego fighting? Jake Matthews. What? They're two legends. How can you not let them fight? But the UFC doesn't give a shit about people like Damian Maya and these foreign fighters. All they care about Damian Maya is they can build Shemaev. And then he's going to bring in all this audience from Europe, the Muslim audience, the Russian audience, the Chechenian audience. And then uh, uh, Ramzan Kadyrov and his whole crew, they're going to be all excited to see him win. But what? It, and then F you, Damian Maya. Screw you. Oh, I know. 
I I echo that frustration. I mean, he should be fighting another senior guy. He should be fighting a Damian Ma, uh, excuse me, a Diego Sanchez or a Donald Cowboy Cerrone or somebody like that. Yeah, this is agreed. ridiculous to stick him in there with the scariest young monster that's come into the UFC. But the UFC doesn't care about people like this, like Damian Maya. They don't care. It's it's sad. It really is. It, it really is sad. Uh, Damian Maya should be allowed and have put on an entertaining fight against Diego Sanchez, and then see you later. If you have a guy like Rafael dos Anjos that says he'll basically fight anyone, anywhere, you you provide a paycheck, I will fight. That's a guy I could see, uh, and he's younger than Damian. That's a guy I could see fighting uh, a Chibata. Yeah, I think that's yeah. I think that's a better better direction to go. And that's what he, he's, built, he's marketing himself as. Does he look like he's driving towards a title shot? He's like, pay me. I want to collect checks. I want to fill my investments. I want to get my kid's college paid for seven times over and pay off his house in Huntington Beach, whatever he's doing with his money. He's not, he's no fool. He's collecting checks. And that's great. Put him against the guy. He's not going to say no. I mean, Damian Maia could always say no as well. Why do you think he said yes? Was he just kind of strong on by the UFC? Or did he just... I, I think that there are guys like uh, Fabricio Verdum and guys like Damian Maya that look at it as their pride would get in the way if you were – they would not back down from an opponent because they would see that as backing down. And Damian Maya has always said, I'll take whoever they offer me. That's the way that he's run his career. Uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Wyman, the great professor – uh, doctorate, author, uh, amateur kickboxing fanatic, weightlifter, just an amazing guy. I believe he just moved from uh, down where he lived in Santa Monica and moved to like Arizona or something. But he's a co collegiate professor and stuff. Great writer. Patrick said, when I, so he trained with, uh, he trained with Fabrizio Verdum over at, uh, what's the name of that academy? Kings. Uh, Kings of MMA. MMA, yeah, in Huntington Beach. And when he asked him something about being scared of something or being nervous to to spar somebody or something like that, and he said, Fabrizio Verdum looked at me like it was like the, mo the dumbest question, like almost like he didn't understand the question, <laughs> right? Yeah. And there's guys like that. And I think Damian Maya would look at it as him backing down. But the UFC knows that they're doing the wrong thing. They know that. This is a man that went and got embarrassed by Anderson Silva uh, in Abu Dhabi years ago. Years ago. Probably uh, eight, seven years ago. Something like that. Maybe more. Uh and he's come back, and look what he's done with himself. He improved his striking. His wrestling is much improved. He couldn't take anybody down before. Now he could take guys down. Other than, obviously, he did the lateral drop on Chael. But now, I mean, his single leg is, is exponentially better. Um, uh, and ben, ben made fun of him. Ben said, 
Oh, yeah, he's, yeah, single leg's good. I know exactly. I can't, he can't take me down. Well, guess what, Ben? He didn't have to because you took him down. <laughs> that was funny, Nick. That's the part where you laughed. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be funny. Sometimes, I, guys, you know, sometimes I have to cue Nick. Yeah, it was supposed to be funny that um, it was supposed to be funny that uh, – uh, you know, Ben was saying that Damien couldn't took him down, but Damien, uh, Ben did the work for Damien by, by going to the ground with him, taking him down and then getting swept and everything else back taken. I think he got rear naked choked, right? Yeah. Yeah, he did. I believe so. So, uh, good job, Ben. Anyway, <laughs> so. all right, moving right along. Um, where are we, Nick? We're at so we wanted to talk about let me see because i think we're running out of time here so i think we're going to wrap it up let me uh check the time real quick want to talk about yeah we are going to wrap it up so we're going to talk about adesanya gastelum and then we'll give you a couple of picks but uh i want to let nick start off with this one please of how do you break down adesanya i'm going to use the analogy of kelvin gastelum but I'll ask you how to break down this uh, weekend's matchup of Israel Adesanya versus uh, Paulo Costa. I mean, uh, in watching the sort of countdown show for this card coming up, I think Adesanya kind of says it very perfectly. He, he basically makes a statement saying that I am the matador. I'm either going to get the horn from the bull or I'm going to or the bull is going to get stabbed by the sword. So that's essentially what this fight is going to be about. I think, you know, Adesanya being the matador, the slicker, counter puncher, um, Costa, the bull coming rushing, you know, comes forward, throwing big shots. So Adesanya, I mean, that, that quote or statement, I think it's pretty accurate as far as him being honest with himself and the outcome of this situation. A lot of fighters wouldn't even, you know, who do you pick and why? I mean, I pick Adesanya. I think he, his counter striking, and I think his slickness, and obviously he has, he has power. We've all seen that. I think he could catch um, Paula Costa coming in or being reckless and stuff like that. I mean, he just can't be sort of cornered against the cage, and he can't get cut off and get sort of trapped with his back against the cage against Costa because Costa will eat him alive with body shots and, and head shots and all that sort of business. So, I mean, if he, if he can, you know, not get caught in that sort of entrapment against the cage, I think he could win. Okay. So sometimes I get lucky because Nick is that pitcher and he's one of those pitchers. Like he's kind of like a Nolan Ryan. All he really has is a fastball, but I'm a pretty good fastball hitter. So I'm glad when Nick, he'll put it right over the plate and he's going to look, I'm going to throw this at 101 miles an hour. Do you think you can catch up to it? And I think this one I'm going to catch up to. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes Nick strikes me out. This time I think I'm going to be able to hit, hit the ball. So Nick, we watched five rounds of Israel Adesanya and Calvin Gaston. So this idea that everybody has that there's this magic man and we're bobbing and we're weaving and we're moving and this bull, this matador analogy that Paulo Costa can't hit him, right? Yeah. Did Kelvin Gastelum tattoo his face for five rounds? 
I mean, he did. Yeah. He absolutely did. How many people have brought up that fight? Quite a few. You're supposed to say nobody, DJ, just you. But that's okay. That's okay. A lot of people brought it up. I mean, his fight with um, Whitaker. Whitaker brought it up all the time. He's like, oh, he, he's supposed to be this like elusive, high-level striker, and he was getting tagged with against Gaslam. He Gastelum. got tagged, man. He got tagged by Gaslam. Gaslam made him get in the pocket and strike. And if I'm not saying that I'm not, I don't agree with you that I might not pick Adesanya. I agree with you on that part. I'll pick him too. But this idea that he can't be hit is ridiculous because Kelvin Gastelum had his face busted up. I mean, it looked like Apollo Creed. <laughs> I don't remember which Rocky, but um, he tattooed him, man, in that in that fight. So I don't see why they think that, that, uh, that Paulo Costa can't hit the guy. He can hit the guy. Uh, I mean, I anyone think, can get hit, but... Well, yeah, but look what he did. That that was a close fight, this, man. That was a close fight. But then this is the same narrative that... You're, you're saying the same narrative that Robert Whitaker is saying. Yeah, but Rob fight. Whitaker had... It was, it was Rob Whitaker was trying to be cute. He was using... There were certain combinations that he sticks to, and Israel had snuffed those out. I can't remember. I heard someone who's smarter in striking... Uh, than I that had uh, alliterated how the certain combinations that Rob likes to use that they thought would not be effective against Israel and they weren't. And he got hit and he got hit hard because of it. Now, Kelvin Gaslam stood in his face, waved him on, brought him in, walked, kept coming forward. And you know, Kelvin, how tough Gaslam is. I don't see why Paolo Costa can't use the game same game plan and make this very competitive, even if I am picking Adesanya. I mean, that's a fair point, definitely. And if that's that, if that's the case, then I don't know. Adesanya might, <laughs> might lose. <laughs> I mean, hate I, to say I, it, because if, if Gaslam did it, I'm not. I don't see why why he did. Pa he's he's Paulo Costa and and Rob Whitaker okay. are totally different type of fighters, totally different styles. But Paulo Costa and Kelvin Gaslam. I would say are similar fighters other than one was a collegiate wrestler and one wasn't, but then one of them friggin' took down Yoel Romero a couple times. So take that for yeah. what it's worth. I mean, uh, I see it being close. I don't see Adesanya right. just matrixing everything yes, and just yes. kind of scoring them. Like, I don't see that playing out. I think it's going to be a war. And I think Adesanya knows that too. I mean, he, he seems to be pretty honest with uh, the fight. He says, I want to crawl out of the fight, barely limping, you know, barely moving. I mean, he, I think he, he, um, he, he, I think he understands it's going to be war. I think he, I don't think he, I don't think he envisions himself going in there, just schooling him and just leaving, like, based on what he's saying in some of these, um, in some of these, uh, uh, countdown shows and everything like that. So I think he's pretty honest with his assessment. I would say so. He's extremely bright. And you want to talk about a guy that is very well-rounded, very interesting, not terribly political, but uh, very thoughtful and very understanding. I would say that's Israel Adesanya. He's a really good guy to, to, uh, that you can kind of uh, listen to and, and kind of believe in. 
some of the things that he says. He's very well-rounded and thoughtful, and he's not an agitator, I would say. Like, I could see where a lot of the UFC's audience who might be white conservatives can be very turned off by uh, uh, Tyron Woodley, um, although I certainly can understand why um, he's supporting the black movement. But uh, uh, I think maybe your second choice, maybe there's a guy that you can, like Israel Adesanya, who's, uh, who's very thoughtful and worldly. So, and not as, uh, not as uh, divisive, I would say, as some of the other guys are, like so on and so forth. So uh, let's move on to Dominic Reyes, the guy who many people think beat John Jones against Jan Blachowicz, who took care of, who did he knock out? Uh, in like Corey Anderson. Corey Anderson. Oh my and, god. And Lou, and Lou Rockhold. I had oh Anderson god. actually win in the fights because Anderson had that big win against uh, oh, Johnny Walker. Anderson. Yes, I had Anderson winning yeah. that fight, man. I was on board with Anderson. Yeah, I was like, 100%. this guy's mad, and you know, no one's getting him respect. So he, he, I'm like, I was rooting for him, but then he yeah. got that Polish power, man. The guy could crack. And and unfortunately, the UFC tends to. Uh, scold guys that don't uh, that speak their mind that don't just toe the party line uh, they'll get rid of and they let Corey Anderson go to Bellator I think to Corey's detriment uh, because there's just not a lot of guys there to fight but he'll end up being the champion and I think he's a tremendous fighter who just got hit by guys that you can't let hit you um, and I think he overestimated his power and his ability to take a punch. And that was a lesson learned that really would have served Corey Anderson. But all that said, uh, we got to get through these uh, pretty quickly here. So give me a pick of Dominic Reyes versus uh, Jan Blachowicz. I mean, I think Reyes, uh, I'll, I'll pick Reyes. Just, I think he's the better athlete, better slicker striker. He just, you know, he just can't get hit by that. Polish power, man. He can't get clipped like all these other guys do against him, which I think his elusiveness and uh, his uh, footwork would, would, will aid him in that. And I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I'm going to take uh, Dominic Reyes. This will tell us a lot about him. He has a high school wrestling background. This would behoove him to not, if, if you're going to stand and trade with Jan Blachowicz for three rounds, there's a chance he could catch you. If you're really smart, you take him down and you make this a grappling affair. And if you want to show the UFC world that you can adapt to different opponents in different situations and not try to use the exact same game. I can understand why you wouldn't try to take John Jones or, or really you know, just kill yourself to take down John Jones. I get that. But if you don't to Jan Blockowitz, I'm going to question what your commitment is to using uh, the widest array of skills to win fights. So, uh, but I'll pick, I'm with you, I'll pick Reyes. Uh, Ketlin Vieira coming back. Sajara Eubanks fought like last weekend, I think. She did. I was like, she's she fighting again? Yeah. yeah. So like, Sarge is fighting again. Ketlin Vieira took that. Uh, she ended up thinking that it would be a really, really good idea to strike with Arena Aldana. And that wasn't a good idea, was it, Nick? Definitely not. <laughs> okay, so who do you pick in this fight? Ketlin Vieira, who has a good wrestling game and a really good submission game some and some some uh, stout hands on her. 
Yeah, I'll take Vera. I mean, Sarge, I think, might have the better jujitsu. She's actually has some really good, uh, nice. really good. I mean, she 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 competes at IBJJF black belt level jujitsu. I think she was under Lloyd Irvin. She's black belt herself, but I mean, I think her on ground game is very underrated. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know that much about Caitlin Vera's uh, ground on game. Top? Oh man, she. I think uh, Claudia told me she came from. I think she's up from in, um, I can't remember. It's the Amazon region where Jose Aldo's from there, uh, Diego Brandal's from there. Uh, those of you who saw him last weekend, Alan Patrick uh, Silva, Patrick Silva, or who we call Alan Nugetch, who uh, we got to have dinner with years ago. He's from that uh, Lion Fights, I think was the name of their gym, up in uh, there, and Vieta's from there as well. So uh, she's tough. So I'll take her. Uh, I think I mean, I'll she, take Vera as well. If she gets but. on top, I don't, I don't. I'm not worried about Sajar from the bottom. I could be wrong, but we'll see. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, there's only one other fight I wanted to pick on here. No, actually, I'll let. Uh, oh, uh, what, like I said, I'm very excited to see Juan Espina, the Spaniard, coming back because he's an Olympic wrestler. And you guys are think like I'm just gonna pick every wrestler, but it's such. A big advantage for some of these guys when you're at this super high level and you can decide where the fight's gonna go it just is huge um, but Nick so yeah I'm not gonna pick any of these other fights I think we're good to go for this week let's hope we can come back next week because we have uh, and maybe we'll have a guest next week so I gotta talk to you and will if you want to have an MMA guest or a life guest um, because I know the weekend uh, that, that Khabib is fighting, the 24th, I think that's going to be huge. So, oh, yeah. Is that in October? Uh, yes. And I'm going to be in New Mexico. I guess I'll be coming home that night from New Mexico. So I'll see. When okay. We'll probably do a hotel room. I might have to bring all this gear on the road with me because I think we're going to do a hotel room podcast. Uh, nice. I'm going to be gone for 10 days. So nice. All right, Nick. Um, it was great, man. For sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. I appreciate <laughs> it. We had some good debate. Um, you shut me up, you know, a couple times and <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I was like, who talked about it? You're like, well, well, Robert Whitaker talked about it at nausea. <laughs> I was like, oops. <laughs> but I mean, in relation to this fight, I mean, I don't yeah, think, I think a lot of people have made that connection i haven't seen on twitter people connecting costa gas gasoline yeah i mean i never thought of it like that because yeah gasoline does have a similar i mean paula costa and kelvin gasoline do have a similar style we not the same fighter obviously are the champions i get that claim now i understand it a bit better <laughs> oh just real quick nick bring out his guitar <laughs> nick has got to bring his guitar because he could be playing on the podcast. Go ahead, Nick. Just real quick, you see that video of uh, Israel Adesanya and um, Paul Costa? They like, I don't know, they like encountered each other w with their masks and everything, like at the hotel. Yeah. And they're like, they're like super friendly. It was really, really weird. People were like, oh yeah. Costa's like, I think uh, Adesanya's like, it, it's online. You can, you can whatever, look it up. But I'm gonna see it. Adesanya's yeah. like, hey, like showing off his arms and stuff. He's saying I'm skinny. And then Paul's like, no, 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 you're you're lean. You're lean. You're not skinny. You're lean. And they're like, oh, have a good day. I'll have a good day. Like they're like buddy, buddy, good. like bromance style. Good. I was like, good. I mean, that's what it's supposed to be, man. Yeah. It doesn't but... have to be this phony, 
this phony, uh, you know, like Colby Covington stuff. And yeah, I think fans are disappointed because they thought like they, you know, whatever hated each other and blah blah blah. And shout out to but, Eugene Robinson, who uh, Eugene S. Robinson, who's going to be on with us. Who we've already got a commitment from Eugene. I know I can get Kid Nate of Bloody Elbow on again, where we could talk music and fighting. Uh, and uh, Eugene pointed out the boomerang with. <laughs> With oh, with Kobe, with yeah, with uh, with Fabrizio Verdum and Kobe, so Fabrizio is so crazy, man. He is so crazy. If you guys see him in the IBJJF event, he carries like a a, va a giant vacuum bottle with a pump, like you would see in in an airport coffee bar, maybe, uh, full of yerba mate which is that Brazilian green tea, or rather uh, Argentine green tea. It's so funny. <laughs> this guy's got his crazy. own big vacuum thing full of this. Because Yerba Mate, it's good energy. It's green energy, but it's just so funny, man. For Doom, is, he's a character, man. He's a total character. Um, Nicholas, so do we ha is it possible for you to do the podcast with strapped with your guitar where intermittently you might play is that possible i mean sure we could do it yes yes <laughs> I don't we'll pick up yes it'll pick up it will pick up we will hear it all right um it, it picks up maybe okay i will be excited i don't care if it's acoustic or electric we have a musician um uh, on this show and if there's anything that i love maybe even more than mma it's music so <laughs> You're supposed to laugh. At same that, here. Nick. Same okay. here. Thank you. I need you to laugh on cue because uh, people won't think I'm funny if there's no laughter. So I will pay you to fake it, even if what I say isn't funny. Okay. We decided I have to have that like laugh button. Like, I have to have a laugh track. Like yeah. the, the, the okay. laugh track. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. I will get a like laugh track. Uh, I will hook that up. That way Nick will know he's on cue to, to, to chuck it up and I'll send him a check. It's okay. All right, so yeah, for, sounds uh, good. So we'll see uh, Will. Uh, Will Wu. Uh oh, somebody's here to say hello. There's Athena. Hey, Athena. There's Athena, <laughs> the Wonder Dog. I know. I love you too. So there's Uncle Nick. All right. So um, thank you very much for tuning in on MMA BJJ in Life. We are right now on SoundCloud and Apple iTunes. I'm working the Google Play. And I will work some other platforms uh, in short order uh, so that you can spread this around. Give us a rating, if you will. Uh, if you have issues with the show, please uh, ring me up at djsanmarco at gmail. I will get our own gmail uh, account for the show. And um, for Nick Cazono, this is DJ San Marco saying peace out, one love, and we'll see you down the road.